Why, hello there, and welcome back to the Pure and Simple Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and I am very thankful to have with me a dear friend, John Pa. John is a teacher at the congregation that I attend, the Denton County Church of Christ, and For his teaching assignments over the past few months on Sunday afternoons, John has been leading a series of studies about verses that are taken out of context, and it has been a really, really good set of studies. So I invited John to come into the studio and share a few of them with me, and this is the fruit of that conversation. Today we're going to be talking about Jeremiah 29.11 and asking the question, does God have a plan for me, you know, a long, drawn-out, very detailed plan for every person? detail of my life? Let's find out as we jump into the conversation. Like I said earlier, um, I'm digging the series that you're Good. giving. You're, yeah. You've been giving them on Sunday afternoons um, at Denton County, and uh, I think our congregation's been very blessed just by the, the science. Every time you give it, you ask the same questions. You know, who's writing it? Mm-hmm. Who's receiving it? Sure. And um, I feel like people who take a verse on its own, and they never consider anything else, their eyes are going to be opened whenever they studied the Bible this way versus just posting things randomly on social media. Um, I have to confess, I've already confessed to you, but I'll confess it to the audience as well. Um, I've poached this sermon, Mm -hmm. so I've I've preached part of it um, in other places. And I had a girl uh, ask me specifically at a meeting I held recently, if I would help her understand what God's plan for young women, what what that plan is. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, that's so broad, I don't know where to go. And then I thought, oh, Jeremiah 29, 11, we can yeah. first study this expository uh, study of the verse and then understanding how God's plan works for people and then we could apply it to them. So anyway, sure. thank you yeah. for helping me with answering that oh, conundrum. <laughs> well, good. I'm, I'm, glad it's, I'm glad it served you in that way. For yeah. Sure. Now, you're, are you done with your series? Or are you going to keep doing, doing it? Um, I don't have any specific plans at the moment, um, but I think it's a good topic, like you mentioned, because I think we see so many verses um, posted, or, or there's a lot of very popular verses out there that, that you right. see, and um, even just for myself, I kind of ask myself, like, do I really know do I know the context of that verse? Do I know right. who's saying it and who it's being said to? And I think, you know, really anyone mm-hmm. can read any verse. And if you can, if you can ask yourself those same questions, you can, you know, if you know the answer, you don't, um, it should just encourage you to study it more. And so, yeah, there's plenty of verses out there to study. Um, but yeah, I don't have anything specific, but, um, I think it's, I mean, it really would be virtually something you could probably talk about every day. Right. Um, right. And come up with something. You know, it's easy, I think, to as a member of the church, whenever you've been baptized and you're on board with, uh, we want the Bible and only the Bible and nothing but the Bible, et cetera, kind of that mindset, it's possible to fall into a, a rut thinking that, well, I'm safe because I've already, I'm, I've got the truth. Right. But you could also take verses out of context if you're not careful, just like any person out there who just picks up the Bible could. So. Right. I think an admonition for me is, you know, even though I may have been a Christian for uh, going on 25 years, that I can still be fooled if I'm not asking the questions that you've brought up. So thank you for that. We've used the word a lot. So maybe let's begin with this question. What does context mean? Sure. 
I mean, to me, and I think this is a pretty universal definition, but but to me, you know, you talk about context. Um, like I said, I think the first things I consider are, you know, who is saying it, who it is being said to, um, and and why it's being said. So I think just the uh, and the, just the background, like and even its place within the chapter, its place within the Bible, all uh, all goes into that. So I think if you don't know the uh, really, I guess the background is, right. is the most important thing because it can be depending on how you want to apply a verse, you really got to know like why it's being said. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you can place it someplace where it, it shouldn't be, or, or at least you'll miss the full meaning of what that verse is. And you bring out in your introduction that this can be dangerous. What's mm-hmm. so dangerous about taking, you know, what if I pluck it out of, of the chapter or the book and kind of just make it mean what I want it to mean, how, how could that be dangerous? Yeah, so I think I think the, the major danger is you can just uh, change the... Um, the meaning of it and really change the intention of it. And mm-hmm. I think you can, like, I think, like you said earlier, I don't know that people use it um, or do it, you know, maliciously. I don't think right. people have, have bad intent most of right. the time. The intent could be very, you know, innocent or pure. Um, but when you change the meaning of it or you don't consider the context, you may inadvertently, you know, misapply it. So I think, and you could really just, I mean, potentially just completely reverse the meaning of it. Um, and, you know, we can see this today. I mean, you know, if someone took a, takes a sentence or two that, that you or I say or anyone says, it could, you know, it could be used against you in a bad way or you could, you know, it could just mean something that you didn't intend uh-huh. it to mean. Well, we, so, we totally see that in yeah. politics. Sure. Somebody yeah. says one sentence yeah. in a speech and that right. one sentence gets 20 million views on YouTube. Right had nothing to do with what the audience is perceiving it because they didn't hear what the speaker said throughout. So, yeah, this, we see how it works in modern times. Well, let's maybe jump specifically into Jeremiah 29, 11. This is the first in a series that you've uh, preached. It's the first in some conversations we're going to have. And um, I'm curious about this phrase. You, you've, you've called it, or rather you've quoted somebody who mm-hmm. called it the new John 3.16. Right. So what is, what's going on there? Yeah, so um, you know th- this quote is from a, is from a Dr. Peter Phillips. Um, he's the director of a research center on, of digital theology, and he kind of says that you know John three sixteen was a real popular verse, um, specifically like in the print age, you know, so before the digital age. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, with with the social media and stuff like that, you know, he points out that that people oftentimes don't want to put a, a verse or a message out there that that talks about Jesus's death. It's just too right too heavy for people, um, which, <laughs> you know, yeah. so, so sad. Yeah. So it's just, it's too much for people and, you know, nobody, or maybe not nobody, but most people don't want, you know, stuff on their timeline about Jesus's death. Um, so instead, you know, he talks about millennials, but I would just say really honestly, anyone, right. or maybe anyone just wanting to attract, you know, a younger crowd, uh-huh. um, they're just going to tend to put out messages that are more, you know, therapeutic or encouraging, uh-huh. um, just to try to, I think, draw people in. You know? Right. Let's read it. Okay. And I want to just share this because I I was um, reading a, a hybrid version at one congregation, and the person a, a person came up afterwards, and they were very confused. In the King James and the New King James, it does not use the word plan. It uses the word thought. Okay. And I think in context, it means the same thing. Mm-hmm. But since we're approaching it kind of out of context first, the idea of God's plan for you sure. um, it makes more sense. So for those out there who are listening and typically use the King James, New King James, your, your version might not word it this way. Okay. 
but I'm going to read it if it's okay. Sure. And uh, you're, you, in your study, you quote it from the NIV, and it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And when I read that verse, and that really does make a good social media post, doesn't it? Sure. I, I see God's plan for me, and so I, I share this. Maybe I've got a picture of a, an eagle flying <laughs> over the mountain, or, or maybe like a really long road. Yeah. Like, ooh, that's symbolic of God's plan. He's got a plan, and I'm on that road. But uh, I, I think there's more than meets the eye here, and so that's kind of the bulk of your study is kind sure. of taking us through it. Um, maybe before we jump in, let's... Let's consider how somebody could read this uh, incorrectly. What what could a person get from this if they only read Jeremiah twenty nine eleven? Sure. So, you know, like you say, you know, I think when you initially just read this, and um, you know, it is really encouraging. And I think you know, probably the most typical application that people would either seek this verse out or or, or, or post it would be a situation you know where they are you know, kind of going under some kind of a struggle. You know, maybe, you know, we've had a bad day at work or mm -hmm. we lose our jobs or right. you fail a test at school. Uh, you know, whatever that situation is, you know, so you're feeling really down and you just kind of want something out there to tell you that it's going to be okay. Um, I think that's where most people will, will apply this because we read, you know, that we have plans for us to prosper, mm -hmm. not to harm us. Mm -hmm. So it gives us hope for this future. And so I think, you know, a lot of people reading this would take it as, you know, tomorrow's going to be better, basically. You right. know, this isn't this isn't the end. Tomorrow's going to be much better. God's going to take care of me. I just need to wait till tomorrow, and then, you know, I'll show back up to work. I'll, be, I'll go back to school, whatever the situation is, and mm -hmm. things are just going to be uh, much better than they were today, um, which is encouraging and uh, is a positive message and, um, you know, not, not completely wrong, um, but uh, it's I think we lose a lot of the true meaning of this when right. we don't consider the context. Right, and, you know, specifically that phrase, a plan to prosper. Right. You, might, you lose your job or you may be living in a place where you think is just not where you're supposed to be, mm. uh, and you think, well, God's got a plan for me to prosper, so I just got to, you know, keep carrying on, and eventually I'm going to get rich. Exactly. Or I'm going to, yeah. you know, get that dream that I always thought I was going to get. And then after years, your heart is crushed because you've not got any closer to that dream. So, right, yeah. well, yeah, we see the danger and we see how people can misapply it. So I really like how you just kind of methodically go through and ask questions and it helps you, the reader, whenever you are just reading through the Bible, instantly know what's going on instead right. of plucking things out of context. So um, the first question you ask is, um, who is it written to? And uh, so maybe I'll I'll just ask that, and you can kind of take us through it. Who is this written to? Yeah. So um, yeah. So th this this is written uh, to to the Israelites. You know. So at this point, the Israelites are in, are in exile um, after after disobeying God, and mm -hmm. God's given them plenty of warnings through Jeremiah to uh, to repent um, and to uh, kind of false or uh, stop following false gods. Um, and so it's written to them at this time where he's, um, you know, again, they're, they're in exile, they're in a place they don't want to be. Right. Um, so it's written in them, you know, as encouragement that, that he does have, have plans for them. So right away, I can just tell this is to a, the Jewish people in exile from God. It's by Jeremiah because it's, you know, that's the name of the book. Jeremiah written or uh, spoken by God to people in exile. Why does that matter? instead of it being the ambiguous reader, you know, sure. who, who reads it today. Sure. 
Yeah, so I mean, I think it's a good question. I mean, I, I think one, you know, I think the initially maybe when you read it, the thought is this applies to everyone in every situation. Um, where when we see that it's written to a people in exile, you know, we're seeing it's it's written to I guess a certain group of people. Mm-hmm. These are these are God's chosen people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just written to anyone. Um, you know, also it's not. Yeah, it's more due to their collective situation, not their kind of you know, an individual, you know, circumstance. Sure. And uh, God, if we just back up a few verses in your, in your read or your, your notes and then in the scripture, you just got to back up the beginning of the chapter. Sure. Right. 29 starting in verse one really lays out that God tells Jeremiah, Hey, write this letter to people who are in exile Mm -hmm. and let them know my plans. Sure. Um, I'm going to ask the next question, and I know there's some verses attached to it, Mm -hmm. uh, but what is this plan of prosperity? You know, we know it's written to Jews in exile, so they're probably not prospering at the moment. What what is God's plan for them, and how does the the previous scriptures unlock that plan? Sure. So, you know, I think we have to really, like I said, go back just a a few verses here and and really see what are they encouraged to do? You know, what exactly is is this plan? so, so those in exile, what they're really commanded to do is they're commanded to work, to build families, uh, care for themselves, repent, um, and pray in order to seek this peace and prosperity. Yeah, so if we just go back to uh, Jeremiah 29, verse 5, it says, Build houses and live in them, and plant gardens and eat their produce. Uh, take wives and become their fathers of sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they might bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. Mm -hmm. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray into the Lord on its behalf for its welfare, for in its welfare you will have welfare. The NIV translates that last um, kind of verse to say, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So we kind of see in this, in the midst of this difficulty that they're facing, they're not just supposed to, um, you know, just sit around or lament right. and just kind of feel sorry for themselves, which, I mean, unfortunately, people today too do when they when they face when they face circumstances. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're really they're again they're they're commanded to to work, to pray, to be obedient to God, to to really help themselves in this situation. You know, that's an amazing difference to what the mindset of reading that verse out of context suggests that God's got a plan so you just let it let it roll right whereas in Jeremiah 29 these verses we just read get busy build houses mm-hmm. build orchards get married put roots down you're going to be here a while right and oh man verse 7 pray for the city sure where you dwell this is the people that have come and captured them right probably killed some of their loved ones on the way back just from the march back to Babylon mm-hmm that's a tough order. Sure. Right? Yeah. So God's plan, you know, you can't see this audience, but I'm doing the air quotes. Uh-huh. God's plan for prosperity right. um, doesn't seem like a get-rich-quick scheme. Yeah, it, it is not. It is definitely one that we read here that just requires, you know, the the hearer, the audience, a definite call to, to action. You know, it, it's not a passive plan. It's a... Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, yeah, it's not a, uh, you know, just sign up and then in a month you'll get paid kind of a deal. <laughs> There's actual work that's going to go into this sure. thing. Now, if I follow the the chapter, you know, mm-hmm. verse one tells me kind of who it's written to. 
uh, or verse one through four rather, mm-hmm. who it's written to and, and what where they're at. Verse five through seven talks about here's this plan for you. Mm-hmm. And then verse uh, eight and nine talk about the motivation for why God had to inform them of this. Mm-hmm. Seems like somebody else had been saying some false plans. Sure. Uh, yeah. Tell us about that. Sure. So, yeah. So also before this, you know, there are these false prophets who have, you know, told uh, told the Jews here that their exile is going to be much shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, they're told that it's not going to be that long. Um, and they're dealing with idolatry and people that are claiming claiming to be to kind of be uh, to be people of God and misleading people quite a bit. And so, you know, yeah. So we see in a, in Jeremiah 29, eight, which kind of read this verse where it says, huh? for thus says the Lord uh, hosts uh, for thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Do not let your prophets who are in your midst or your diviners deceive you and do not listen to the dreams which they dream for they prophesy falsely uh, to you in my name. Uh, I have sent them, declares the Lord. I have not sent them. Excuse me. So uh, we see there that, you know, these there are false prophets amongst them that are proclaiming things that aren't true. Um, so God is really commanding them to uh, to turn away from those people. Right. And and so specifically, yeah. um, y- you mentioned Hananiah. Yes. It comes from the previous chapter. Hananiah yes. had said, you know what, guys, uh, we're just going to be here for two years. Right. Two years is, it's a long time, but it's not as long as you might think it is. Sure. Yeah. You know, you think you and I have been out of school for a while now. Right, yeah. And when you're in school, you think two years, I don't know if I can make it, but we right. look back on our degrees and we think, oh man, that flew by. Right. By the way, when is your next, what, what is your next high school reunion? What number? So I be? graduated high school in 2004. Uh-huh. So I guess the next major one would probably be 20 years, I suppose. And it's coming up yeah, pretty crazy. quick, right? It is, yeah. <laughs> Do you ever think you'd get to your 20th? reunion <laughs> i don't i don't think so honestly i mean i i guess i did but it has come up quickly because like i i feel like our 10th reunion which i didn't attend frankly but i feel like our 10-year reunion was just i would have told you it was a year or two ago right you know so right. it has it's come wild. by really quickly but so. when you were in high school yeah you know say your freshman year yeah or even whenever you get to your junior year like right. that that two-year period seems yeah. forever it does even looking back on it it seems like so much happened in those two years and let you uh-huh. know, now two years just seems like last month most of the time. <laughs> so uh, time definitely speeds up. That's what I've decided. I think you know you're getting older when time <laughs> just exponentially gets right. faster for you. Right. Yeah. Well, that example, I uh-huh. think, helps us appreciate the Israelites' mindset. Sure. You know, if they hear from this prophet Hananiah, two years and then we're going home. Sure. I think you can endure that. Right. And so God has a this plan in chapter 29. Mm -hmm. He tells them in verse 11, I have a plan to prosper you. Sure. He's explained the first part, which Mm -hmm. is start building houses, start uh, planting vineyards, start having kids, get busy and pray for the city while you're at it. But then he goes very specific to combat this false prophet in verse 10. Will you read that and then maybe expand on it for us? Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. So, So Jeremiah 29, 10 says, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. Mm. So, yeah, we're we're reading there quite 
you know, just plainly, um, that th- this exile is going to last 70 years. Right. Um, so like you said, a lot of these people, you know, had heard uh, Hananiah say it would be two years. And then, um, you know, I guess they're probably feeling more optimistic at that point in time than they hear 70. Um, <laughs> and I just imagine, uh, you know, a lot of disappointment. I right. mean, like you said, if we were told in two years, like, I don't know, if you lost your house and you said you'd have it back in two years, you probably would think, you know, not ideal, but okay. Sure. But then someone told you, eh, it's going to be more like 70. And if you do the math in your head, you're like, well, I may not even be alive in 70 years. Yeah, that's, I think that's what I'm thinking. Think. Yeah. So I'm, it's like, yeah. I'll be 35 next month. So yeah. 70 years, I'm 105. I don't plan on being alive. Sure. Yeah. The Lord wills that the world continues. I'm going to be dead. Right. And I imagine everybody who is of age is probably thinking that even if you yeah. were, you know, 10 years old. Sure. Yeah. You'd be an 80 year old person trying to get back to. And some of our eight yeah. year old people can do it today. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. your your life, your culture, your experiences would all be Babylonian. Right. You'd right. be Jewish, you'd be in exile for the majority of your experience on earth. Absolutely. Um, you had this example that, to help people relate to it. I think it worked really well. Yeah. Because uh it, well, let's just go through it. I don't okay. want to give it all away. Tell okay. us about this example. Yes, yeah, so, so my thoughts would be like, you know, so we're here in Texas. Um so if Mexico came and just conquered Texas and uh, we're all out of our homes, um, and so we're living there in, uh, I guess, Texas, Mexico, um, Mexico, Texas. <laughs> yeah, we're, um, we're in Texaco now. Yeah, so. We would definitely be living in Texaco. Um, and then we heard, you know, that back in the United States, you know, maybe whoever was the leader or the president there told us, don't worry, in, uh, in, in two years it's all going to be, well, you know, We'll take Texas back. You'll be back in your homes. Mm-hmm. Again, we think, okay, you know, that's that's all right. Um, but then, you know, but then, you know, uh, you know, short time later, we're told that, you know, it's going to be more like 70 years <laughs> for you to live in Texaco. Right. Um, I think we would almost just give up on uh-huh. the hope of, of going uh-huh. back to the United States. Right. Or a lot of people would like, well, they would want to. Uh, yeah, they just wouldn't. They wouldn't think highly. I think sometimes of of the United States at that point right. in time. Yeah, and it, it you know if we made the comparison even closer, we sure. could say imagine if if Mexico not only conquered this region, sure. but then took us all down to some region in Mexico sure. that was yeah. completely different than what we're used to sure. in this part of Texas. Right. So man, yeah, that's it's a great way to to get people to relate to it. So when I'm looking at context, maybe just to kind of sum up what we've learned so far, all I got to do is read the chapter. And, you know, right. people are plucking a verse out, but instead of plucking the verse out, just read the verses around it. It's a community of thought. It's not on its own. So instead of reading only verse 11, if I go back to verse 1 through 4, I'm seeing who wrote it, who's receiving it. Verse 5 through 7 gives a great plan for what God's plan was. And then verse 8, 9, and 10 is this, you heard this from a false prophet, but really it's 70 years. And, and so then we get to verse 11, mm-hmm. right? And verse 11 onward is a continuation of God's promise, his pledge to these people. So uh, what exactly is God's plan in verse 11 onward? Sure. So, so God's plan, you know, I think he kind of ex- expounds on um, on, what, on what, what the plan is for these people. In, in verse 14, it says, um, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and will gather you for all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place uh, from where I've sent you into exile. 
So the bottom line is that the plan um, is that they're going to get to return home. They're mm-hmm. going to get out of exile. They're going to go back to a place that they're comfortable, where there's peace, um, where you know that they're 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 more prosperous there. Right. Um, so yeah, the ultimate plan for the Israelites specifically is that they get to return home out of exile, back to a place of of peace and, and comfort. Um, so in our example of of being shipped down to southern Mexico, we would get to return. Our homes sure. here in Dallas, yeah. But the plan is for the, you know, the group. Exactly. It's yeah. not a tailored plan for an individual this because true, yeah. there's the majority of the individuals are not going to get to experience the fulfillment of that promise. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that provides comfort for me knowing that God has a plan. And we, we're going to talk about applications in a moment. Sure. But God has a plan. And just because I'm not experiencing it in real time, it doesn't mean that I need to abandon faith. Mm-hmm. But rather, I need to trust in his plan because he, he was faithful to it. He does deliver him back in 70 years. I think when you study verses in context, the comfort that it provides is deeper. It's more fulfilling than when you study it out of context. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? I would agree. Yeah, I think, yeah, it, it becomes a lot more powerful. You, you know, a, a verse on its own might be inspirational, but I think the message is more powerful. Yeah. Um, that it, it gives you a lot more um, maybe certainty or it gives you just a lot more background and, and yeah, just strength to the message. Because I think if you just have a verse, you know, it, it, it can be, you know, easily maybe debated or shot down by somebody or right. proven wrong. But when right. you have the entire message, you have a lot more to really base your faith on at that point in time. Exactly. And I feel like when I when I am the one who's interpreting it to my agenda, mm-hmm. I can't imagine what God has in store. Sure. But if I interpret it to his plan, it helps me better appreciate what he has in store. I heard C, at one time C.S. Lewis wrote that we are like children playing in a mud puddle, mm-hmm. and God has, like the parent, promising a vacation at the beach. We don't want to go because we like our mud puddle, you know, and it's like for those of us who are have been to the beach and you think about that versus playing in a mud puddle, you're like, oh, it's not even close. And yet when we're interpreting the Bible to fulfill our dreams, we can't imagine what God has in store for us. So it's so much greater. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, Now, I think one of the examples of how this can work is you've drawn out seven applications, right? Seven. I believe so. Yeah, seven. Okay. Yes. There's seven applications that we can learn from this verse in context. And so instead of this ambiguous plan where you're sure or not sure what God's plan is for you, when you look at the context, suddenly there's a lot more applications available. So why don't you take us through these applications and we can chew on some of the scriptures together? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, the first thing I think that when you study this in context, the first thing you, you do learn is that. Oh, my. If ever there was a place where you probably didn't want me to do a cutoff, it would be right there. As John was telling you, the first thing that we could get whenever we apply Jeremiah 29, 11 properly. Unfortunately, that is the nature of my podcast. And so this episode has been devoted to studying the context, Jeremiah 29, 11. And next week, John and I are going to extrapolate some applications. We're going to take this passage use other scriptures as well and help understand to rather help us understand God's great plan and how we get to be a part of it. It's going to be a great episode, so please come back. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast 
leave a five-star review, and tell others about it. This is a great way to share the gospel. You can take these episodes on your phone and share them in messages with people. So, you know, you're having lunch with somebody at work or at school, and something comes up and, and you've heard a podcast that addresses that topic or that scripture, you say, oh, I've got something you can listen to, and you share it with them just across the phone to phone. It's a great way to get it going. So anyway, uh, any chance you get, help the podcast out with a good review or telling others about it, sharing it on social media. And don't forget also, you can go to the website and look up all sorts of great information there. Uh, It's really helpful for people who are looking to increase their Bible study methods. So check it out at www.pureandsimplebible.com. So until next week, this is Jonathan Edwards. Always remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you soon.